Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Betting Predators College Football Show for week two of the college football season. Uh, last week, we went podcast only, myself and Sleepy J. Had a lot of fun doing that. I hit some games, won some, lost some. It's a story across a lot of week one. Uh, this week, I uh, am joined by the person that's going to be my guest most of the time, Klee Picks, at Klee Picks on Twitter, slash X, whatever you want to call it. Um, Klee is one of the best handicappers out there. I know I followed him for a long time. I'm sure a number of people who follow the Betting Predators account also already follow Klee Picks. Uh, guy does great work. So, Klee, thanks so much for being on, man. How's it going? It's good, man. Pleasure being on with you guys and uh, happy to be a part of the Bet Predators team. And uh, looking forward to a what looks like a very, very good week two slate compared especially to what we've got in week one. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, a lot more big games this week. Um, you know, a lot more uh, intrigue. Got a couple ranked on ranked matchups. Uh, and I know we've got a couple bit. We got a couple best bets from you. Uh, first, let's let's talk a little bit about week zero, week one. Kind of talk through a few takeaways that we had. Um, you know, obviously the, the Colorado story with Coach Prime and Deion Sanders and, and Colorado coming out and beating TCU on the road, scoring 45 points. That's one of the bigger stories across college football. What's your takeaway there? Because there's a lot of debate right now as to whether that team's for real. I think one of two things. One is I give all the credit in the world to Coach Prime and what he did with that with that Colorado team. Um, what's not talk, being talked about enough, I think, is the fact of he has surrounded himself with excellent assistants. Uh, I think Sean Lewis is one of the best offensive minds in college football. He was great at Kent State um, and led them to success. The fact that he – technically demoted himself going back to the offensive coordinator position in order to get a higher power five uh, job, I think tells you all you know, how he feels about coaching under coach prime. Um, but, you know, going into that game, I, I felt like, all right, they have a lot of athleticism. You know, if, if you, you know, read up about, you know, Sanders and obviously Travis Hunter and even, you know, Edwards, who we saw, you know, was <laughs> going untouched, uh, but felt like every other, they were down. Um, you knew they were going to be right there. I thought 20 and a half and then actually close at 21 was a lot of points going in there. Um, I will say though, TCU's defense is abysmal. So it's one of those things where you got to pump the brakes a little bit. I will say again, was very impressed with what I saw offensively out of, out of Colorado. Um, can they duplicate it this week? We shall see. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously what Shadur Sanders did was incredible. Travis Hunter playing mm -hmm. both ways. Um, you know, one thing I think we do know for sure, that's going to be, that team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think we're going to be uh, seeing a lot of high scoring games. Um, obviously Dion, 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 he's always a good interview before games, after games, during games, whenever. So um, certainly a lot of fun to be had with them as the season goes along. Another game I wanted to touch on, this was probably the game of the week, um, even though Colorado TCU felt like it. The game of the week was, was really Florida State and LSU. And, um, you know, th this was one where, Spread never really got above three one way or another. I know I know I think LSU closed as like a two and a half point favorite. 
Um, you know, obviously two returning quarterbacks, a lot of returning talent, uh, pretty well-respected head coaches. And Florida State kind of just pulled away late. And by the end of it, looked pretty convincingly like the better team as far as I could tell. What were some of your takeaways there? Well, first off, you know, I, I came away extremely, extremely impressed with Florida State. Uh, Jordan Travis so definitely looks like a Heisman candidate. The amount of weapons he has around him, obviously Keon Coleman, the, the transfer from Michigan State, uh, you know, grabbed all the headlines with the amount of touchdowns he had. But, you know, they still got Wilson, who's a, you know, a six foot seven, you know, behemoth at the wide receiver position. Um, I thought the defense looked fast. I thought they looked athletic. I thought for sure um, they were the better team. And that's saying a lot for me because I, I was high, very high on this LSU team. Um, going in the year, I picked them to win the SEC West. Um, I have them, you know, uh, their overwin total, which still is okay shape. You know, they can still afford a loss to get over that nine and a half, but they're going to have to kind of get through the season now. But um, no, I, Florida State came away extremely impressive. And uh, spoiler, we may talk about them a little later in the show. Yeah, we we definitely will. I know uh, that one of Clee's best bets will be involving the the Seminoles later on. So. Um, one other game that, that I in particular am really excited to touch on with you, um, as somebody who went to Duke, I had a ton of fun Monday night watching us, uh, I'm just going to say beat the brakes off of Clemson. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I know Clemson was inside the 10 yard line a bunch and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. We beat the hell out of them. I'm happy. Um, wh- I mean, what, what, do you, what are your takeaways there? Cause obviously Clemson new offensive coordinator scheme change, a lot of expectations there. They didn't really live up to them. Is Duke better than they were even last year? I know the schedule for them is tougher. Um, I think Duke's going 12-0 and and that this loss is going to look really good for Clemson by the end of the season. But I'm curious to get your take. Well, I can't wait for the the, the, the Duke-Ohio State college football semifinal this year. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a friendly wager on that for sure. Uh, with that said, I, I came away out of that game one of two things. I came away obviously impressed with what Duke did. I, I thought they had some seriously good depth, um, which we haven't seen out of the Duke team. You know, just rotating bodies, especially on the defensive line, something that we haven't seen from a, an opposing ACC team not named Florida State against Clemson for quite a while. And they just kept throwing bodies at Cade Klubnik. And, and, you know, Shipley's a good running back. I'm not going to, you know, deny that. But uh, the lack of execution – Obviously, down by the goal line was obviously the big story. Um, I just I didn't come away impressed with Clemson at all, though. I mean, that's the other part of it that no one's really talking about is, you know, we kind of see the same Cade Klubnik we saw last year in the Orange Bowl. We, they brought in, you know, Garrett Riley, the younger brother of Lincoln, who was the OC at TC. Everyone thought it was going to be this match made in heaven. And look, I know it's only week one, but at the same time, though, I expected more. And at the same, and what we got was. A guy that wasn't reading the zone read correctly, you know, should have been handing off the, you know, he hands it off. It's, it's a walk and touchdown at one point. He keeps it. It's a two yard loss, you know, things like that, where I just don't see the development yet. And that was kind of the, the big beef from, you know, the DJ Ungalonle or DJU, I'll just say it like that <laughs> camp was the lack of development for him at Clemson um, under Dabo. And, and we're kind of already seeing a little bit here early on uh, with Cade. So again, it's maybe a little bit overreaction on my end, but you know, at the same time though, I expected more of uh, that Clemson offense. Yeah. I, and I think a, a, a real indictment of Clemson's sort of player development that you, that you referenced DJ, you looked really good for Oregon state in yeah. that first game. 
Uh, I mean, that, that, uh, that team looks for real. And I, I'm, I was pretty high already on their offensive line, their running game. But if DJU is going to be able to throw the ball that effectively and that accurately too, um, that's going to be a fun team to watch in the Pac-12 also. Uh, so a lot of fun out West. Um, let's go ahead and, and jump into the first best bet of the show here. Why wait to give the people what they want? Um, you know, I know you put out a great article preseason on uh, Wisconsin's team total, or excuse me, win total over, um, and it looks like your your best bet for this week is involving Wisconsin. Setting the stage for that game, Wisconsin they are heading out to the Palouse at Washington State this week. Um, they are six and a half point favorites. Total in that game set fifty eight and a half. Um, you know. Both teams won against far inferior competition last week. Wisconsin didn't cover. Offense started to look better in the second half. Washington State put up 50 points on Colorado State. I know the Rams were a popular underdog. So interested to hear what you've got for Wisconsin (laughs) and Washington State. Yeah, no, you referenced the article. You know, I'm very high on on this Wisconsin team. I love what they did in the offseason. Obviously, you know, Luke Fickle, I think it's going to be a heck of a coach, and I Kind of see him maybe the coach and Wayne with, with what happens with, with Ryan Day at Ohio State. We'll address that another date. But um, the fact that they brought in Phil Longo from UNC, I thought it was, you know, very underrated. Uh, and, you know, obviously tra- uh, Tanner Mordecai, the, the transfer from from SMU. Um, they didn't really air rate it out as much as I thought they would last week against Buffalo. But still, they kind of figured things out in the second half. He referenced their slow start. Uh, they still outscored Buffalo in the second half, 24 to seven. I think that's where they started getting rolling. Um, we're going to sense a theme here. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, coach prime and, and the pack 12 wazoo came away. Very impressive to me. Uh, we talked about how popular Colorado state was, um, as a dog, I was on them myself, got bit really bad on that one in a 50 to 24, you know, win for Washington state. Cam Ward looks a lot better from last year. He almost threw for over 450 yards um, in that 50 to 24 win. I think this is a shootout. I, I think, uh, you know, what we saw last week from, from Washington State is what you're probably going to get this year is, you know, a high-scoring team, um, not really great on defense, but they're going to try to just out, outscore you with Cam Ward. And I think this is, you know, Wisconsin's offense picks up from where they were a week ago uh, in that second half and really put some points on the board with Mordecai and that great Russian attack they have. So my best bet here, over 58 and a half uh, for best bet number one. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I think part of why we're not seeing a higher total here, I think books are a little scared to adjust this all the way up to maybe where it should be, especially after last year, Washington State goes to Madison and wins 17-14. Um, so that I think that might be an angle uh, as to why we're getting value here. Um, so, yeah, love it, man. Awesome. I had um, I had Wisconsin last week in a, in a teaser, which thankfully hit. But it wasn't your traditional three tight end, you know, fullback. No, it was it was it was out of shotgun, but they were effective with the run game. I think you know this week you're going to see a lot more throwing. I know Mordecai only, did, only threw for like 170 or something like that. I think that goes up this week, um, and, and you're going to see a lot of points on the board. I put that actually in the preview of one of the points of their out of conference schedule was uh, this one could be a calculator game, as they say. Yeah. Well, and and I like the idea of them not going full air raid immediately, given that the whole team was built around Braylon Allen in the run game. So it's kind of like, hey, we're going to transition to that. But yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, All right. Let's let's go ahead and and dive into some of the other biggest games from the weekend. Um, You know, next one I want to talk about Notre Dame at NC State. Uh, This game is going to be at noon Eastern on ABC on Saturday. 
Notre Dame, seven and a half point favorites on the road. Total here right around 51. Um, you know, obviously this is Sam Hartman. He's seen NC State before from his days at Wake. Uh, really Notre Dame's first test. W- what are your thoughts on this one? I think it's an interesting matchup because NC State really wasn't that impressive week one um, up up at the Palouse. Or not Palouse, but the, the rack as they call it up in, in, in UConn. Um, you know, uh, Brennan Armstrong, I think is a very good quarterback. I liked him when he was at Virginia. Um, but they really didn't do much. They, they looked a little bit vulnerable against the run. Notre Dame, on the other hand, through two weeks, they've made inferior opponents look like inferior opponents, which is something we haven't said a lot lately about Notre Dame in years past, you know, a lot of the, the, the Marshall loss last year. Um, you know, they've averaged over 49 points in their two games. Uh, I think you're going to get points again here. I think the NC State's offense wakes up a bit here. I think the total's too low at 51. Um, and also, you know, for a side, I do like the NC State plus 7.5 as well. Uh, you know, this is not an official bet for me, but I think, you know, they keep it close. If you want to put in, I think it's pretty safe. If you put it like in a seven-point teaser, there's no way. I don't think Notre Dame wins this game more than, more than 14 as well. So um, I think for sure the two leans on this game for me would be NC State plus seven and a half and, and the 51. Again, I like the total more than the side in this one. I think Notre Dame's offense has been very impressive through two weeks with Sam Hartman. And I think that continues on. I think NC State's offense gets going here. Yeah, I like that. I mean, Armstrong running the ball was, to me, surprisingly effective against UConn. Um, you know, and I think this is one where I think NC State plus seven and a half is the clear side. I agree with you there. Um, for me, it comes down to the fact that, like, Sam Hartman's not going to surprise them. Uh, you know, this is a guy they've seen multiple times. They they intercepted him three times last year. Um, you know, yeah, he put up over 350 yards, but NC State is a, is a defense that, you know, has caused him some problems in the past. Um, and I think, you know, this is a game that, that NC State's up for. The crowd in Raleigh is going to be going nuts. Um, I, I think this could get a little a little dicey for Notre Dame. So I, I love catching more than a touchdown. Um, you know, I, I think realistically I'd probably make it four, four and a half here, not, not over yeah. seven. So um, that's just kind of where I fall on the game. Next one down, we're going to uh, – we're going to revisit Coach Prime. Uh, Nebraska and Colorado – Interesting game there that they're starting at noon, um, you know, that, that or noon Eastern. That's just – I mean, that's aggressively early when you're talking about a game being played on mountain time. Uh, Shout out Fox for that one. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be noon Eastern on Fox. Colorado three-point favorites right now over under 59 and a half. Um, you know, curious to hear what your thoughts are on this one. Yeah, I, again, I, I think, you know, this is going to be a nice test for Colorado coming off of this game. Obviously everyone in the world is talking about Colorado. I turn on VSIN to talk about Colorado. I turn on ESPN. Actually I can't turn on ESPN because of Spectrum, but I turn on my YouTube TV and then I see ESPN and they're talking about Colorado. Uh you know Fox Sports, etc. Uh the, everyone's talking about Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. Do they drink the Kool-Aid or do they not? I don't think they do. I think Coach Prime is the kind of the right coach for this where you know, he, he can help these kids block out the outside noise um, and really get them focused on this one. It's their first home game. The crowd's going to be electric there in Boulder. Um, but and also another thing is I just don't know how Nebraska keeps up offensively. Yes, they will be a better defensive team than TCU. I fully admit that. But what I saw last week from them um, 
Sims, the quarterback, you know, very inaccurate against Minnesota. They weren't really moving the ball. They turned over the ball a lot. Uh, I, I just don't know if, if, if Colorado jumps out to say a 10 to 14 point lead in the first half, which is very realistic with the amount of talent they have offensively, especially in, in those, you know, skill position spots. I don't know how Nebraska can get themselves back into the game. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. So uh, I like Colorado minus the three here. I think, you know, I'm going to stay away from the total on this one. There's nothing about that really, you know, uh, gets my interest in this one. So Colorado minus the three is going to be my player. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and it's it's kind of crazy to, to think that a week ago this game was Colorado plus eight. Uh, yeah. You know, Nebraska was laying more than a touchdown on the road. And Nebraska covered at Minnesota. They led almost the whole game. And yet now we're looking at, you know, them as three-point dogs on the road at Colorado. So that really speaks to, in my opinion, the extent to which the power rating on Colorado has moved double-digit points. And I've heard arguments that, that's completely absurd. I, I also think there's an argument to be made that, like, look, week one is the week where we should be adjusting power ratings more than any other week. It's the week where we learn the most from teams we haven't seen yet. So it's to me, it, it's totally possible that what we saw last week was, uh, you know, kind of a, a one-game-over adjustment on Colorado. But I, I actually think it's more likely that this is a really good offensive team that is probably not going to be all that great on defense. But when you get a team like Nebraska coming into town, first home game for Colorado, I don't care if it's at 10 a.m., that place is going to be jumping for it. Um, I I think this is a clear Colorado spot. But it it does make me start to wonder, like next week, for example, when Colorado plays Colorado State, sandwiched between Nebraska and Oregon, that's where I wonder if we're going to start to see that letdown. Yeah, and especially with the look ahead to Oregon uh, the week after it. I mean, that's – that's a that's gonna be an interesting spot. I'm interested to see where, especially if Colorado wins, um, where where that number goes because you could probably see over a touchdown in that one, especially with the way uh, Colorado State was in it, unable to slow down anything that you know Washington State did offensively. So um, yeah, that's that's the spot. And then you know we talked about Colorado before, not to look way ahead, but. Uh, we talked on the phone last night. <laughs> I'm I'm curious what what they're gonna make that USC Colorado game the total in at the end of the month because that one is gonna be a high scoring affair for sure. Yeah, I, I it, it might be the first triple digit total we see in college. <laughs> Remember the Chiefs the Chiefs Rams game from Monday Night Football a couple years oh, ago? That like, game. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that one again. But this this that one in, in college form. Zero defense we played. Yeah, exactly. uh, at the uh, no, that game's at uh, that game's in Boulder. That one. So, all right, next game we've got here: Utah Baylor, number twelve. Utah heading on the road to Waco. Uh, Utes seven and a half point favorites here. Over under forty seven and a half. Couple, you know, little game notes on this one. Cam Rising once again. We're not sure if we're going to see him or if it's going to be more of Barnes at quarterback for Utah. Um, either way, they were impressive against Florida. Won that game twenty four eleven, and I don't think it was quite that close. Uh, Baylor. Quite an alarming first loss for them, losing at home to Texas State in the opener. Uh, they lost Blake Shapin as well in that game. So big downgrade for them down to Sawyer Robinson, Sawyer Robertson at quarterback for the Bears. Um, but, you know, Utah laying seven and a half on the road. That's a lot going on the road in, in the Big 12 or what will future lead, you know, in the future will be a Big 12 game. Uh, what, what are your takes here on, on Utah heading to Baylor? 
Yeah, I know. I, I did a little research before the show here. Um, they're saying Cam is, is progressing. The word they used was progressing nicely. So there is higher optimism this week than last week for him to play. Again, as you said, um, Bryson Barnes would get the start, uh, Dalton, if, if he does, you know, is out again. Um, if it is, I still feel comfortable enough with Utah minus a seven and a half. Um, this could be another leg of that. You know, I was talking about that seven point teaser earlier with NC State. If you don't feel comfortable taking the seven and a half, I still think Utah does win this game. Um, there's just a lot of unknowns with Baylor without, you know, shaping out there. Um, you know, he's probably going to be out there saying two to three weeks with that meniscus injury or MCL, excuse me, uh, knee injury. And I think, you know, with that in mind, uh, the only play for me would be Utah minus a seven and a half or again, tease them down to a, basically a pick them, um, with something else in that, in that noon hour. And, uh, uh, as I said, NC state plus seven and a half up to 14 and a half would probably be the, the second leg of that. Yeah, no, I, I like the idea of that quite a bit. You know, everything everything in me is telling me that Utah handles business here. There's just there's a small part of me that's queasy about more than a touchdown on the road against a team that just got embarrassed. Like it just like the the betting instinct in me like sees that and kind of steps back a little bit. Um, but I think most of the logic points to Utah there, so maybe teasing it is the way to look at it. Uh, this, this one second, one, one more point, though, this is going to be a good test for Utah on the road. If you remember Utah last year, in Salt Lake City, they were amazing. On the road, their three losses, or their two to three losses last year, I can't remember the total was, they were all on the road. They were a completely different team outside of Salt Lake City. You know, if you remember the UCLA game, was a disaster for them at the Rose Bowl against, you know, DTR. Um, this is a good early test for them. You know, Baylor is not an easy place to play. I know they're coming off a loss against Texas State, but at the same time, though, you know, you bring in a top 15 opponent into Waco, you know, that, that place is going to be be hopping. So, um, you know, this would be good early, you know, to see where this Utah team is, even without if Cam Rising doesn't play. Yeah, and, and it makes you wonder how much of Baylor coming out flat and giving up 42 points at Texas State was Utah's coming in next week, right? I mean, that, it, yeah. that could be part of it. It could just be that that was a flat spot. So, um, all right. Next game down, we are going to head to Coral Gables for Texas A&M, number 23 team in the country, heading on the road to Miami. Uh, A&M laying four and a half at the moment. I've seen this kind of fluctuating between four and five. Over-under in this game, ticking up uh, from 47 and a half at open, up to 51 now. Um, I have a pretty strong opinion on the total here, uh, but I'm curious to hear what what you've got on it. Just a quick profile on the team's. Texas A&M, 52 points against New Mexico in their opener. Uh, new offense under Bobby Petrino, getting a lot more modern, a lot less Jimbo Fishery on offense. I think that helps them in theory. This is obviously uh, not New Mexico, though. This is a much more talented opponent in Miami. And this is a Miami team that, you know, a lot of people liked the 17 points with Miami of Ohio heading down to Miami, Florida last week. And uh, Miami put that to bed pretty easy. They only gave up three points. Uh, you know, 38-3, they more than double the spread. So these are both teams for me that I think were pretty impressive in week one in what could have easily been look-ahead spots. Um, I'm curious to get your take here on on Texas A&M and Miami and the Aggies being favored on the road. Yeah, I I like the home team getting the points here. I I, I came away very impressed with Miami's defense last week. That's not a a slouch Miami, Miami of Ohio offense. 
um, in the MAC. They, they brought back a lot of production from last year. Um, the quarterback play was was good a year ago, and they brought that back. And they just shut it down. Um, you know, all in giving up three in that thirty-eight to three win, uh, showing who the true Miami was. Um, and you know, I think you know Tyler Van Dyke was a little banged up going in the game. I think he's going to be healthier this week. Um, you know, this game was low scoring a year ago. If you remember, it was seventeen to nine in College Station. I kind of see a you know similar low scoring again. Um, you know, and yes, I will say you know Connor Wegman looked looked pretty good, but again, as you said. It was New Mexico. It's not, you know, this Miami team that's, you know, full of speed. Um, and, and I think that that carries here for Miami. I think the speed of them defensively, I think, you know, what I saw offensively, again, was a lot of athletes being put in space. And, again, as we talked about yesterday on the phone, I'm not a big Jimbo Fisher fan. I, I'm not, you know, a proponent of what he's done there, and he's just underachieved ever since, you know, winning a national title. Um, in 2013 at Florida State. So um, with the amount of talent they've had at, at, at Texas A&M, they, sh- they shouldn't be having the years that they've had year after year. And I think this is another disappointing spot for them. I think Miami on the money line, if you want to sprinkle it, I think is a good play. Uh, but for sure, I'll be on them plus the four and a half on, on uh, 3.30 kickoff, correct, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 3.30 Eastern time kickoff. That'll be on ABC. Yeah, there may be I, like uh, 10 people there, but you know what? That's <laughs> Miami football for you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if there's ever a game that they're going to show up for at Hard Rock Stadium, you would think this would be it. Um, but Miami fans have kind of become difficult to trust to create an environment. Uh, when, yeah, when true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I actually, my initial instinct was to look at the over uh, just because, you know, if Texas, if Texas A&M really is adjusting to like a Bobby Petrino fast-paced type of offense, then I think the market – probably isn't fully adjusted to that yet. And, and my initial thought was 17 to nine last year. I think there's like a knee jerk reaction to look under. And I kind of find myself, eh, maybe we need to look the other way, but hearing that you're on the, hearing that you're on the under makes me reconsider that a little bit uh, for sure. So I'll, I'm going to have to give that some thought, but I completely agree on Miami. Uh, I grabbed five as soon as I saw it on Monday, um, obviously four and a half, five, you're not working through any key numbers there. I think anything above three and a half, this is, you know, in my opinion, a bet worth taking. I just think that this is one of those games where it almost feels like there's like a tax on the SEC. Um, I don't, I don't know what we've seen to suggest that A and M is more than a touchdown better than Miami. Um, you know, I think that's about what this line says with the game being on the road. Not that Miami has some huge home field advantage, but it's worth something. Um, you know, I think the Jimbo Fisher. And Bobby Petrino thing, I don't know what to make of that. You know, I, I think the offense is better, but I also wonder, like, now that they're not playing New Mexico, does Fisher try to get back involved? What does that game plan look like? I, it's just it feels like a spot with Texas A and M where laying more than a field goal on the road is something you got to earn, and I don't think they've earned it yet. Yeah, I, I feel the same way as you. I, I don't know what to really expect from that combination. Um, you know. And again, I feel way stronger about the plus four and a half than I do the under uh, for the record. Um, I just, you know, I I just feel like it's maybe just one of those drag them out games. I, it really just, it's physical. Both, you know, they both have very good defenses. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, that's why I kind of lean the under. But again, my play in this one for sure is going to be the four and a half with, with Miami. All right. Yeah, sounds good. We're in agreement there. Um, next game, we're going to stay in that 3.30 p.m. time slot. 
Um, interesting game here with an SEC team going on the road outside of Power 5. This is number 22, Ole Miss, at number 24, Tulane. Tulane catching seven right now at home, over under 65 and a half. Um, last week, Ole Miss put up 73 points against FCS Mercer. Uh, Mercer, you know, among FCS teams, as far as I understand it, they're they're pretty well respected. So 73 points is still worth something. Um, you know, obviously Lane Kiffin might have a little bit of a penchant for wanting to run it up. Um, so it's hard to know totally what to make of that, but certainly not unimpressive. On the other side, Tulane, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were all about South Alabama catching points. I was one of them, and uh, Tulane looks <laughs> just as good as they did last year, even without Ty J. Spears. The new quarterback, Pratt, looks awesome. So um, curious to get your take here. Obviously, Ole Miss, by the way, one other note on this game. Ole Miss won this game 61-21 last year in Oxford. Um, change of venue, slightly different teams, more of the same. What do, what do you think? I think we get points in this one. I almost made this my best bet. Um, you know, I came away equally impressed with both quarterbacks last week. You know, Pratt threw for four touchdowns uh, in that South Alabama win. I, I, like you, were on South Alabama. I thought, you know, going in that one with what Tulane lost out of that Cotton Bowl winning team, you know, Spears, they lost their OC, they lost their DC. And it was a lot of, you know, they lost their two leading, you know, tacklers. And all they do is go out there and win that game 37-17. I came away incredibly impressed with Tulane. Um, and then you know, on the other side, as you said, um, you know, Jackson Dart, you know, throws for four touchdowns. Uh, Judkins, you know, you know, ran for two more. I think we get a lot of points here. Uh, 65 and uh, 0.5, 65.5 and a half is definitely going to be my play. Uh, I lean sidewise to Tulane plus a seven. I think this is just one of those things where whoever has the ball last wins it. Um, in that kind of situation, I think uh, I would take Tulane with, with the touchdown. I'm getting the touchdown there. But, no, for sure, um, this will be on my card on Saturday uh, over 65 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I like that quite a bit. You know, I think you look at last year, Ole Miss put up 61 on them. That I think Ole Miss can probably to some degree name their number again on offense. Yeah. And if there's one thing that's changed, we saw Tulane get a lot better as the season went on last year offensively. Obviously, we saw them go, you know, beat beat uh, USC in the Cotton Bowl in an offensive shootout. I don't see any reason why they can't engage Ole Miss in an offensive shootout if they can do it to USC. I know the personnel's changed a little, but they look, they look damn good in the opener. So, um, agreement on the over there. Um, if I had to bet the side, I think I'd take Tulane, but I, I, I think the, the over is the right look there. Um, so, good stuff. Um, next game, let's, get, let's head into the a little bit later in the day. 5.15 p.m. Eastern, ACC Network. It's going to be Appalachian State at North Carolina. Carolina currently favored by 18.5 points over under 58.5 rematch of a 63 to 61 game from a year ago that had nine fourth quarter touchdowns, three touchdowns in the last 31 seconds. <laughs> Chase Bryce is gone now though at Appalachian State. Um, North Carolina brings back Drake May. What do you make of this? Yeah, I'm going to go look at the team total here for UNC. Um, I like what I saw out of uh, out of Carolina. I know they kind of backed off, you know, not backed off, but slowed it down a bit in the second half, but you know, for them just, they looked very impressive against, you know, South Carolina in that 14-point win. Um, sidewise, I would probably stick with uh, the 18-and-a-half for, for UNC. 
but for me, I think it's a duplication of the offensive output for UNC from a year ago, and I'm going to go with them uh, with their team total. It's funny you say that. I uh, About 30 minutes before we came on here, I took North Carolina team total over 38 at points bet. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see how they stay under 40 against any, you know, unless they're playing like a top 20 defense. I don't, I just don't know how teams are going to hold them under 40. Um, you know, obviously they have a, a great NFL prospect at quarterback in Drake may. Um, but I mean, it, it, they, they looked, they looked awesome against South Carolina. I was also interested to see they sacked Spencer Rattler nine, was it nine times in that game? Uh, and, and for once it wasn't Spencer Rattler's fault why South Carolina lost the game. I mean, yeah. they just, they couldn't, they couldn't protect them at all. Yeah, I mean, he went, what, 30? I think it was 30 of 39 for 350-something yeah. yards. So, um, you know, I, I think I think UNC's defense still, I'm not sold. It looks like they get better pressure than last year. Um, I'm still, I still think a lot of times they're going to be a pure over team. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know what to expect from App State's offense with, with you know, with, uh, what's his name, Chase Bryce out the door. So, I like North Carolina team total as well. I think that's that's a great angle in this one. Um all right, moving into the evening here. The game of the day, if you uh, don't view everything Dion involved as the game of the week, no matter what, is number 11, Texas, at number four, Alabama. Obviously, these two played an awesome game last season, Alabama eking out a road win. Um, that game really came down to the wire, a ton of fun to watch. This year, Alabama back at home, laying seven and a half over under 54 and a half. Bryce Young out at Alabama, Jalen Milrow now playing quarterback there, a uh, little bit more of a running type of quarterback uh, than, than Bryce Young was. You know, Bryce Young's plenty mobile. Texas brings back a ton of talent. Quinn Ewers is a starter there. Um, you know, what, what's what's interesting for me, I think they're, they're kind of – my initial thought is there are two angles here, and you pick, kind of pick an angle and you go with it. I like Texas catching the points, even though Saban's 28-2 against his assistants. I think this is too many points when there is such – little difference in terms of talent, but what, what do you got on this one? I'm right there with you, Dalton. I, I like Texas plus a seven and a half. Um, I think the fact that Texas brings back as much as they did from a year ago, especially defensive line wise, you remember how much pressure they got on Bryce Young a year ago? I guess I know it's a change of venues and snap counts a little bit different. You don't have to go sound count, etc. But the fact they're still able to get pressure and they bring that back, I think it's going to be an interesting to see how Milrow uh, you know, handles that, you know, there's a definitely a step up from competition from middle Tennessee state to Texas. And um, if you remember last year's game, uh, you know, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Texas probably wins. And, you know, I think that carries over into the year. As long as, you know, Quinn stays healthy, I think they're right there in the end. I, I, I like them plus the seven and a half. Um, I think they definitely, uh, score some points here on that on that uh, Alabama defense, and you know it should be an interesting to see who actually wins the game in the end. Because if Texas does win, I wouldn't be that shocked, uh, truthfully. And um, again, I'm not sold yet on on Milrow. I, I think there's a reason why they have four quarterbacks in the running for you know the starting job there, um, and I think that you know kind of plays out. I wouldn't be shocked if the second quarter all of a sudden it's it's Boucher or, you know, or, or someone else, you know, in, in a quarterback, if, if Milrose is struggling, which I kind of anticipate him doing. So um, again, give me Texas plus a seven and a half again, much better defensively than obviously MTSU. 
Um, and I think, you know, again, right there at the end, uh, you know, with, with, with Quinn Ewers. Yeah. And again, that game's at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. So Clee and I will both be getting creative, finding ways to watch that game, but looking forward to watching that game. Um, one of the last games. Of the hey, night, man, 21 day free trial with YouTube TV right now. I'm just, just putting out there the public. <laughs> might have to be the move. Yeah. Because I'm hoping this gets resolved in 21 days. I don't have to worry about it by then. But yeah. uh, one of the late night games not, here. We're not sponsored by them, by the way. Just, no, no, we're not. <laughs> Uh, that, that just really college football fans trying to help you guys out on how to how to watch these games during this ridiculous portion of the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, late night games, Stanford at number six, USC. Trojans laying 29 points at home, over under 69 and a half points in this one. Stanford looked a lot better on offense against Hawaii than I think a lot of people were anticipating. Uh, Trojans have looked like USC through two games against inferior competition. I was a little bit uh, alarmed by how much San Jose State moved the ball against them. I will say that. Um, but they did to Nevada what USC is supposed to do to Nevada. I am 2-0 and hammering the over blindly on USC games so far this season. Tempted to probably do the same here. What do you have on this one? Uh, we're going to try to make it 3-0. and I'm all over the over again. Uh, USC's averaged 61 points through two games this year. Both games averaged 82 points in, you know, as a total. I can't believe very impressed with Ashton, uh, Ashton Daniels. Sorry, I can't pronounce anything today. Uh, the quarterback for, for Stanford uh, against Hawaii. I know it's Hawaii, but at the same time, though, in his first start of his career, 250, two scores um, in that 37-24 win. Again, this is not a, not a game where you're going to need Stanford to score, you know, 30 points or something like that. You know, two or three touchdowns, which is very much expected against USC's defense, as long as Alex Grinch is the defensive coordinator, uh, will definitely is, is very much in play here. And I think USC can get you back in the 50s like they do every other game, um, and you get that total of 69 and a half. So uh, this will definitely be on the card on Saturday. Uh, over 69 and a half is an official play for your boy, Clee Picks. Love that. Yeah. Uh, certainly good to hear that you agree with me there because this was one for me where, honestly, most weeks, if I see USC total under 70, I'm tempted to, to pretty quickly fire. I mean, I because even even teams they play who are not nearly on their level talent-wise still eke out 14, 21, 28. And when all you need is USC to get up into the 40s and 50s, that's kind of just what they do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think this game could be one of those like 56, 31 types. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, I'm one one other point. Like, you remember last year's game against Stanford? Um, you know, I know it's different coaching, but, like, Stanford didn't match up well at all with the athleticism that uh, offensively USC brought out. And I think mm-hmm. that's even gotten better this year. Zachariah Branch is an absolute beast. Um, you know, the freshman out of Bishop Gorman there in, in Vegas. Um yeah. And they just, you know, Caleb Williams has gotten better. And I think, you know, this is another case of, as you said, 56-31 or something like that. If it's games in the 80s, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all. And people got to realize, too, David Shaw is no longer coaching Stanford. They're not punting from the 30-yard line. They're going – they're being aggressive offensively. Um, and this is a different different type of, of Stanford team. Yes, they may not have the great personnel they've had in the past, like, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. But as I said – Daniels moved the ball up and down the field last week. 
um, against, you know, again, it's Hawaii, I know, but uh, it, it looked impressive offensively. So, again, we're not looking for them to score in the 40s here. No, it's just give us, you know, two or three touchdowns, similar to San Jose State did in, in week zero, and I think USC can take care of the rest on the other side. Yep, sounds good. All right, we've got one more game to get to, and it is Kleepik's best bet of the week. Um, this is the one that we teased a little bit earlier on. Uh, so definitely get out the pen and paper for this one. Southern Miss heading on the road to Florida State. Florida State, very impressive in their opener. A um, little bit of a uh, softer matchup for them here against Southern Miss. Seminoles are 31-point favorites, over under 53 points. Um, I know you are looking at the Knowles. What do you got for us here? Yeah, you know, I, again, I came away incredibly impressed with what I saw at Florida State on Sunday against LSU. Yes, it's a little bit of drop in competition. Is it maybe a slight letdown spot? Maybe. But this team has too much talent offensively. You know, Keon Coleman, as I said, that transfer from from Michigan State is an absolute threat. You know, Jordan Travis will be right there in the Heisman race. Um, And Mike Hall, who's the head coach of Southern Miss, came out, and I'm not sure if it was the motivators team or just speaking truth. And I think it was just speaking truth, called Florida State the best team he's ever coached against. This week, my second best bet is Florida State team total over 41.5. Last week, they got 45 against LSU. A little drop in competition defensively, and I think they get over that 41.5 mark. Give me six touchdowns with that offense. I think that's very manageable um, in Tallahassee on Saturday night. All right, y'all heard the man. Best bet over 41.5 team total for Florida State. Um, I will certainly be following Clee on that. The guy wins too often for you not to. Um, that, you know, is going to wrap things up as far as going through week two. There are obviously a ton of other interesting games that we didn't have a chance to get to. Uh, you know, Akron, free to- Morgan State. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, Akron, <laughs> Morgan State. Can't wait. Um, you, you can find Clee at peak at Clee Picks on Twitter. Um, he's constantly giving out free picks there, engaging with people, doing awesome work. Uh, we're pumped to have him with Betting Predators. This pod will be back every Wednesday going through the college football pod. Um, you know, feel free to drop us your feedback at betting predators. My Twitter is at Dalton on sports. Um, would love to hear from you there. If you've got any games that you're particularly interested in, uh, if you want to yell at me about the fact that we maybe lose a bet or two, which I'm sure we will go ahead and do that as well. Um, and also follow along at bet predators, a uh, ton of awesome stuff coming up as the season goes along. Um, Chris Dell is, uh, already getting after it with his fantasy football rankings, we're going to have best bets every week between him, Steve Reeder, Sleepy J, um, all sorts of talent attacking the NFL. Uh, these guys have won a ton of units over the last couple of years. Be on the lookout for those player props. Catch them early. Steve Reeder's best bets, those, I mean, they, they lose sometimes, but not a whole lot. Um, so time to look forward to on the NFL. Um, I will continue to put out some MLB content as we get through the end of the season and into the playoffs. Um, really looking forward to that. Um and uh, folks, we're, we're through the dog days of summer now. We're getting into fall. This is when the sports calendar gets fun. So uh, come along for the ride. Got a lot going on. And uh, Clee, thanks so much for, for being here, man. Looking forward to continuing to do this with you. Yeah, man, no, no, it's, it's, it's great to have this going. And um, look forward to these next, what, 15 weeks we got um, all the way through the college football playoff. And uh, hopefully uh, we, we win a lot of bets this year. And, and don't forget those best bets. The Wazoo, Wisconsin over and Florida State team total over as well. All right. Well, sounds good, guys. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.